0: Thank you for tuning in to the Jay Leonard Wisdom Podcast. I'm Jason Leonard. I hope this episode inspires you, motivates you, and that you're able to apply this information to achieve the goals and desires in your current journey for a better life. Hi everybody, hope everybody's having a great day. This is Jason Leonard. And today I just kinda wanna take a step back and talk strictly about sales, but more importantly, uh, not necessarily sales tactics, but sales philosophy and certain foundational uh, thoughts and beliefs you have to have in order to be successful in sales. So hopefully you can take a lot of what we're going to talk about today and apply it to what you're doing to improve your results. So when you kind of look at sales and selling, some of the things that I think is important to kind of step back is number one is to understand what is your belief system around selling. So what I find is that a lot of people that are in sales as a profession or even a business owner, and if you're a business owner, you're in sales unless you have a sales department, right? Or you're not going to be selling anything. So a lot of business owners don't even put themselves in that realm of actually being in sales, but if you own a business and your job is to sell products or services and you don't have people doing it for you, then you're in sales. And The mistake I think a lot of people have is they think that the relationship alone is going to get them as clients. And the relationship is key and it's important, but then you got to know how do I transfer those people from the relationship stage into actually a selling process where I can help them and benefit them. And so you can have the best of both worlds. You can have rapport and then you can also utilize that to close clients. So some of the things I think you need to kind of have as your belief system in order to sell is one is that you truly got to believe in the product or service that you're offering. And I think this is where a lot of people, they understand the value proposition that they have, but do they really, really understand that everybody they're talking to would benefit from that particular product or service? So if you have a high degree of belief system, then that's going to flow into how you communicate with the people that you're talking to and everything else. So one of the things you got to write down, and this is just a technique that I did when I was in sales, but I kind of struggled with a lot of different factors uh, and a lot of different processes in the sales process, or a lot of different parts in the sales process. So one of the things you got to do is write down whatever product or service you're selling, what are the 20 benefits that somebody would get from buying your product or your service? And take some time and really think about that. What are 20 benefits somebody would get from your particular product or service? And then once you have that, the next step is to go under each one of those benefits and write down one to three value values that somebody would receive from each of those benefits. And if you kind of recite that and just look at that every single morning, what that'll do is it'll keep in your forefront all the benefits and values that somebody has from your particular ser- particular product or service. The other thing you need to do to strengthen your belief is that you need to own the particular product or service that you offer. And uh, if you own the particular product or service you offer and you understand all the values and benefits, now you have a true belief in what you're selling. Uh, the second thing is you got to believe that your product or service is dramatically underpriced meaning if you truly understand all the value and all the benefits that somebody would receive, you should almost feel very comfortable that you could charge twice the price and somebody would buy that. And so a lot of times where I find uh, salespeople kind of get into this this, this uh, trap or even business owners is they feel that if their product or service is more, cost more than a competitor's, that they're at disadvantage. Your product or service could be twice as more than somebody else's. But if the value that they're getting and the benefits they're getting are three times as great, then your product is dramatically underpriced relative to your competition, which is on a dollar for dollar basis, half the price. And so understanding your value proposition, understanding the benefits will help you justify your price. And if in your mind you understand that your product or service is dramatically underpriced and you can charge twice as much for it. When you're out there, your communication on when it comes to value is going to be at a much higher level certainty. And then the third thing is is you got to understand is that if you're with a particular prospect or a particular client and they have a need for your product or service and they have the ability to pay for it but they take no action, that you have failed as a professional. the one thing that I think everybody needs to understand if you're in this profession is you have to understand that selling is something we do for people, not to people. And when I was new in sales, I didn't get this. You know, uh, When I was new in sales, I understood the value of my product or service, but I had this internal conflict with it that I'm making money from it and I'm benefiting from it and I'm almost feeling ashamed. If you're in sales, you need to be proud that you're in sales. You know, if you truly believe your product or service, and you believe the value that it brings to the table, and that you're helping people accomplish goals or address concerns, that's a noble profession. And so, an example of where I kind of fell short early in my career, but it was with a family member. I presented a particular product or service to my own mother. Uh, I knew she would benefit from it, um, but I also knew I was making money with it. And she gave me a weak objection, and because I didn't have a level of certainty, and what I was doing. And I didn't understand that selling her this particular product, it would benefit her more than it would benefit me. I folded like a chair when she gave me that objection. And then about a year later, she approaches me and she just got diagnosed with a particular illness, which now made that product uh, unavailable for her to obtain. And then she asked me, hey, remember we were talking about that? Can I still get that? And the answer was no. And that mistake cost my family and myself Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars as a result of her not having that particular product. And so with that example, it just really kind of made me think a lot because I failed her. I didn't just fail her, but I failed my dad, I failed my brother, I failed my sister, I failed myself. And that's really when I realized, you know what, this is a noble profession. I understand the power of the product that I have to offer and that selling is something I'm going to be doing for people. And you have to have that conviction. In selling, it's all about your belief system. You know, how we communicate is only 7% words, 7% words. When we're talking to people, the words that are coming out of our mouth only equate to 7% of how that conversation is going to be interpreted. The other 55% is body language and the other 38% is our voice. That could be our tone, it could be our speed, uh, but voice qualities represent the other 38%. You can fake the words coming out of your mouth. When you don't believe something and you're trying to communicate to somebody, if you're you know, bold enough to be a liar, you can lie those words. But your body language, that doesn't lie. Your voice qualities, that doesn't lie. And so when you don't truly believe in what you're selling through these three steps, you might be able to have the words to ask somebody to buy, but your body language and your voice qualities are saying, yeah, I wouldn't buy this crap either. And clients pick up on that. Almost everybody out there, okay, if you've been alive any length of time, has been sold something they didn't want, couldn't afford, and didn't need, and has been duped by an unethical salesperson. And so when you're talking to the public and the rapport and trust is not there, they're already on edge. And so if you can't deliver your message with 100% certainty through your body language, through your voice qualities. The client is not going to feel very comfortable moving forward. I always say that clients are like human lie detectors. They know when something's up. And it can be the same words, but how you deliver it. Like, if a client were to ask you a question and you were to say, sure, versus absolutely, those are two different ways. Even though it's the same language coming out of your mouth, the voice qualities were different, your body language is different, the client's going to feel a different level of comfort moving forward. So, that's the kind of like the basics. And if you don't have that belief system, everything else you learn as far as sales is not going to help you at all. Um, So, let me just kind of go on to a a little bit different topic when it comes to selling as well. Uh, The next topic I'd like to talk about is a little bit about the sales process. And I had to learn this the hard way when when I was a new uh, profession in sales as well. But, you know, The number one thing that top salespeople spend the most amount of time on is rapport building with their particular prospect or client. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I'll get into in a minute. The second stage that they spend the most time in is in the presentation. And once you have rapport and you have a solid presentation, you need to spend very, very little time in the closing appointment. So why is rapport so important? One of the things you have to always kind of keep in the back of your mind and keep aware of is that once rapport is built with a particular prospect or client, whoever has more conviction will always be more convincing in the discussion. So if I'm trying to get somebody to book an appointment with me and I have rapport with them and my belief system is in line, okay, then that's going to translate to my level of certainty in how I communicate with people. So that when I'm saying we need to get together for X, Y, and Z and how it's going to benefit you, then I'm going to be able to get that appointment booked. If I'm on a closing appointment and I'm talking about how my particular product or service is going to benefit them, once that rapport is built and I speak with more certainty, I'm going to be more convincing. And so the rapport phase can take a long time or it can take a short time. And you just kind of of know when does this client trust me? Because that's truly what you're selling. You're selling the fact that, can I get this particular prospect or client to like me and can I have them trust me? Everything else for the most part is a commodity. And so even though your product might be the better product or it might be the better company, that's a lot harder for a client to be able to digest initially or a prospect to, to, to be able to understand and value. But the value proposition you really bring to the table, which no one can duplicate, is yourself. And so when you're talking to people and you can get them to like you and you can get them to trust you through proper rapport building, now that's going to make the presentation a lot easier. And why is that? Well, kind of going back to what I said before, we've all been sold something we didn't need, couldn't afford, or didn't want. So once I have rapport built, I'm going to kind of let my guard down and be more vulnerable to tell you what my true goals and concerns are so that you can ask the proper questions and go three, four, five questions deep into understanding how your particular product or service could benefit me. But if I don't have proper rapport and I don't have proper trust, I'm going to always kind of keep my guard up a little bit because I don't know where you're going with this. And so when you're kind of moving along the sales process, step one, have the rapport. Step two, that's going to allow me to have a better fact-finding and presentation with my clients, and then that's going to make the closing very, very easy. And there's a lot of different closing techniques you can use that uh, we can go over later. So how do you build this rapport, okay? And how, so how do you do proper fact-finding or proper uh, questioning with a client? 90% of all human buying decisions are based on emotion. And then 10% of it is based on logic. So we don't want to go all emotion, but you got to re- make sure that when you're communicating with somebody, that you're always working in that ratio. So when I'm trying to build rapport with somebody, I'm trying to go 90% emotion, 10% logic. When I'm doing fact-finding or discovery phase with somebody, I'm going to make sure that my questions are aligned 90% emotion, 10% logic. When I'm in my sales presentation on my closing appointment, I'm going to make sure my closing appointment is based 90% emotion. logic. I always want to keep that ratio. So how do you get somebody emotional? Okay. So let's say you're on a discovery phase with a a particular prospect and you're trying to have them open up what's important to them. I kind of always have one go-to question and it really applies no matter what you're out there trying to sell is number one is what is the most important thing in your world right now? Now, if you have a particular industry, you can phrase that differently to what's the most important thing when it comes to this or comes to that, and then they're going to open up. Now, most of the time, that answer is not an emotional answer. It's a somewhat logical answer, or it's a very short answer. So the follow-up question that I would always ask is, you know, when they kind of give you that answer, you just plug that answer into this. Everybody in the world wants to blank. What particularly is going on in your world right now that makes blank so important? And you got to learn to shut up and just listen. That's the number one thing in sales is when you learn to ask open-ended questions that can evoke emotion and you can learn to shut up and listen, your client will tell you how to sell them. Everybody is going to buy differently. But if you learn to ask these powerful questions and learn to take copious notes using their language, their words, because you need to repeat that back to them. So they're going to open up. Now, if they don't really open up, you got to say, well, that means different things to different people. What exactly do you mean by that? Or can you tell me a little bit more? So sometimes you'll have to do that after that question to get them open up. But once you start getting the emotion flowing, the next question you need to ask is, and what would that mean to you? And what would that mean to you? And just let them talk. Because what you've done now is you presented a problem where they're at a high emotional state. They're telling you what they want, that your product or service is going to help them solve. We're not there yet. We're not saying that, but we know that. And now we're kind of having them get emotion emotional about the solution. And then the follow-up question is, and how would that make you feel? And if you follow those few questions... That's going to allow you to know your prospect's or client's hot button. What's the most important thing in the world to them right now? Now logically, you might offer an array of products, and logically, they should probably do something else before they do this. But emotionally, they're not there yet. And whenever interacting with a prospect, my philosophy always is get them as a client first. It is a lot easier to educate a client than it is to a prospect. So if I can get you a hot button on something that you want to solve, it's important to you, and I can get you emotional about your pain, and then I can get you emotional and see and create a vision about the solution, now you're telling me how to kind of do business with you. So there's a lot of other powerful questions you can ask, but by far master that one first, and I'll be going over some other questions that you can ask in future podcasts. So getting back to what I talked about a little bit earlier, right? The sales process, the number one part of the sales process is all about rapport. Now I want to talk about a little something here, which is a lot more complicated, but I'm just going to give you some of the basics. And if you want, you can DM me or just contact me and I can maybe go over this a little bit more or kind of give you the information on where I learned this, but it's it's what I call NLP, Neuro Linguistics Planning, Programming, I mean, NLP. And NLP will allow you to build three times stronger rapport in a third of the time. And it is something that I'm still not an expert at, and I've been practicing this for about 15 years, but when I discovered it, and the more I practice, it allows me to be able to communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with. But essentially, there are three types of humans out there. You have what, uh, and, and we like to receive information a certain way. And we like to, de- to deliver information in a certain way. Uh, but the three really are, is somebody a visual, is somebody an auditory, or are they a kinesthetic? And when you learn what they are, and you can use your body language to mirror their body language, you can use your voice qualities to mirror their voice qualities, and you can mirror your words, you will find that you will have a much deeper connection. And when you use this technique and you build rapport three times stronger in a third of the time, that allows you now to have a person be vulnerable with you because the level of trust is there. So how do you know who's who? And there's a lot of different techniques, but let me just kind of give you some of the basics and then you can kind of try this out on somebody you know and kind of see how it goes. But if somebody is a visual, typically when you're asking them questions, before they give you an answer, you will see their eyes going upward. They'll either go up to their right or up to their left. When they go up to their right, that means they're trying to envision or create a vision in their, in their mind. Uh, up to the left, they're recalling. So you ask them about a question about, do you remember the color of your first house you ever lived in? And their eyes are going to go up to the left, and they're trying to remember it. Or up to their right, if you say, what would you like your, your dream house to look like? An auditory, okay, their eye movement when you're asking them questions will be sideways, side to the right or side to the left. And a kinesthetic is somebody whose eyes will go down to the right the majority of the time. It gets a little confusing. If they're a lefty, it might go down to the left. But if they're a lefty, it doesn't always go down to the left. Sometimes it goes down to their right. So what is a visual? A visual person is a type of person that when you talk to them, they like to see pictures in their head. They use a lot of body language, they like to draw things out for you, and they use words that that somebody in vision would be like, can you see the big picture? Um, That sort of stuff. And auditory, they don't need to see stuff, they don't need the PowerPoint presentation, they don't need the fancy-binded presentation, although you should do it just so you, you build some logic in your sales process, but they can just have you talk to them. And they actually, they don't like too many distractions during the conversation. They're the type of person that can listen to this podcast in their car or at the gym and be able to retain a high degree of the information because they don't need to see the pitches. So typically, when you actually are talking to an auditory, a big kind of clue for them is they'll actually break eye contact with you and usually go down to the left, but usually it's just pointing the ear in your direction. So if you know an auditory and you say, hey, listen, I got something really important to tell you, are you listening? You'll notice them break eye contact because what they're trying to do, or if they're very comfortable with you, they'll just close their eyes all together. And what they're trying to do is just bring in all that information, super important. And then a the kinesthetic is a type of person that's all about feelings. They just, they feel things. So if you sell a tangible product, they're going to want to hold it. Um, But they also have a lot of gut feelings. They internalize everything. They make a lot of first impressions very, very quickly. So they might say things like, I just got a gut feeling about this. Uh, They'll also use a lot of vocabulary like, there's a lot of energy in this room, things like that. Where a lot of people get confused is they're going to confuse the kinesthetic with the visual because the kinesthetic will also use a lot of hand gestures and things like that. But at the end of the day, when they're in deep feelings, you say something to them and they get an emotional feeling, you're going to notice them look down to the right most of the time, unless they're a lefty, occasionally down to the left, but down to the right. So how do you use this in in, in your favor when building rapport? Well, if I'm with a visual, I'm going to use a lot of body language. If I'm with a visual, I'm going to have my eye movement move up. Okay. I'm going to say, do you see what I'm talking about? And I'm going to mirror... My communication with like how they like to communicate and by doing this we get each other it's almost like if you have been in school and there's a few professors and you know few people hate the professor and a few people love the professor then there's another professor and half the people that like the other one hate this one and the exact opposite well it's probably because the person that was teaching that class was delivering information in a way that you like to receive it so if you had a kinesthetic professor they would bring out a lot of props and a lot of things like that where you can touch it and feel it and see it. Uh, if you had a visual professor, they're busting out the PowerPoints and they got all this other stuff, and you're talking to an auditory professor, very little stuff is up and they're just at that podium and they're just rapping, they're just they're going they're going strong because that's the way they, they like to receive information. So when you're in a sales process with somebody, if I'm dealing with an auditory, I'm really not going to draw too much out for them. I'm just going to really talk to them. Um, and also what's cool about auditories is you'll notice is that they talk to themselves a lot and they also will use a lot of um, noises when they talk and like bang and boom and they'll just talk that way. Um, they use very little body language as well um, and so that's how you want to communicate with them. A kinesthetic, a kinesthetic is a type of person It's all about the feelings. And so you are going to be asking questions like, you know, how does that make you feel and how would you feel with this? They also like a lot of touch. And so uh, the safest place to touch a kinesthetic during a building rapport uh, is right, right near the shoulder, between the shoulder and the neck. And it's, it's really just a quick, like, tap, not a pat. We're not patting people, um, but it's just a quick tap. And you ask questions like, how does that make you feel? Um, they also get very glossy-eyed. And that's when you know you have them at a high emotional state. So you want to mimic that type of communication as well. Um, And then when you're able to mimic that communication, now you have the rapport built and it's just built so much quicker. So those are some of the techniques that I've used. And I really think if you incorporate the basics of selling, don't try to learn sales systems. Okay, what you got to use is sales techniques because when you use a sales system, what that implies is that that person I'm talking to needs to fit into my system. When I have sales techniques and I know how, I have a strong belief in what I do, I know how to build rapport and I know how to build trust with the type of people I'm working with, then that's going to allow me to, to just be able to um, move into every situation with the appropriate reaction, the appropriate language to keep things going. So before we end this podcast, I just kind of want to summarize some of the things we talked about today because I know we talked about just a few things, but they're important things. One is we talked about how we communicate. So 7% of how our communication is is words, 55% is body language, 38% is our voice qualities. One of the things is if you want to become a better communicator that I would do is start trying to incorporate this in, in, in your daily communication with people. How can I have better body language? How can I have better voice tonality? And then the word choices. That's one of the things that we do. The other thing we talked about is if you don't have the right belief system, that you'll never be successful in sales. So we talked about you have to believe in the product and service that you sell. In order to do that, we talked about you have to own what you sell. If you don't currently own what you sell, then you either need to buy it today or probably find a new thing to sell. You don't want to be unauthentic out there trying to sell something that you can't even buy or you don't even believe in buying. The other thing we talked about is writing down what are those 20 benefits somebody would get from buying your particular product or service, and what are the two to three values that would come from each of those benefits. So spend some time. It's probably about a two-hour exercise, but spend some time taking about that. If you have a sales process where you need to kind of sell that first appointment, that discovery phase, what are the 20 benefits somebody would get from having that discovery phase with you, and then what are the two to three values in each one of those benefits, and then have that be a daily reminder. You read that every day for 90 days, those new beliefs are ingrained in you. And then the third thing we talked about in the belief system is that if you don't sell somebody something that they need and they have the ability to pay for it, that you have failed as a professional. One of the things I would go back is look at all those prior closing appointments you had where your product or service would have served the need for that person, and they had the ability to move forward, but for whatever reason they didn't, go back and say, what could I have done differently? Like, what did I kind of make confusing for this person? Did I show up late? Was I not dressed professionally? Was my, 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 uh, my closing presentation too confusing? And then learn from that. And then go back to those people. And one of the things I would say to them is, I just got out of this workshop and they were doing this case study. And I swear to God, I thought they were talking about you guys. I have this new idea I'd really love to show you that I think you guys are going to love. Now, when I teach people this, they would say, well, what would I show? I say, I don't care. to show them anything. Because when you go and show them anything, they might say, well, I kind of like the other thing better. Well, okay. Then buy that. Okay? So just kind of go back and say, where can I get some lost opportunities? But also, where did I screw up as a professional? The other thing we talked about is, is your sales process in line? Top salespeople, top advisors, they spend the majority of their time in the rapport building phase. The reason why we're doing this is so that we can build trust so people will put down that invisible shield and be more vulnerable to us during our discovery phase. If I don't have rapport with you, you're not going to be vulnerable to me. And that's because we've all been sold something we didn't need, couldn't afford, and didn't want from an unethical salesperson. And that guard is up. And the only way you're going to get that guard down is by building trust. The only way you're going to build trust is by creating the proper rapport. And then the least time you should spend in the sales process is your closing. If you don't have proper rapport, you're never going to be able to do a good fact find. So that, that that initial discovery meeting is going to take you so long. And because the client was not vulnerable and because they didn't give you good answers, you're going back putting together something and then that closing presentation is just all over the place. Because I really don't know what your true goal or concern is. I don't know what your pain is. So kind of go back and, and do that study. The other thing we talked about is remembering. of all human buying decisions is based emotionally, not logic. Are you selling on logic? Are you trying to get people to book an appointment with you based on logic? Or are you doing it based on emotion? And you got to stay within that 90-10 realm. So how do we do that? We talked about going two, three, four, five questions deep on one particular topic because I need the client to get to an emotional state. First question, what's the most important thing in the world to you? Okay? If you're selling a particular product or service, you can wrap that particular product or service with that question. The answer to that question, it's usually a one, two, three, four word answer, and it's also very vague and it doesn't evoke emotion. I'm not gonna be able to sell on that because I gotta get them to emotional state. So the next question I'm gonna ask them follow up is everybody in the world wants to blank. What particularly is going on in your life right now that's making blank so important? And then you're going to get them talking. Now, if they don't get to an emotional state or get into something more elaborate, you need to f- use follow-up questions like, well, what do you mean by that? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? And then now you have something emotion. From there, you follow up with the question of, well, what does that mean to you? What would that mean to you to blank? And then they're going to now get emotional about the solution. And then your last question is, and how would that make you fail? And now they're getting very emotional. Now... Some of the things I'll teach in future podcasts is when to identify when people are at a high buying state. If they're at a high buying state right there, I might go with such a bold question of, well, then this is probably something we need to take care of immediately. Wouldn't you agree? And be nodding your head up and down. If they're at a softer state, I might follow that up with, well, I'm definitely in a position where I could possibly help you out with that. Would you like my help with that? And when you ask people, would you like my help with that? What you just transitioned, you transition yourself from a salesperson to an advisor. You position yourself to somebody pushing product, to somebody coming in with a solution, and they're acknowledging that they want your help. So those are very, very powerful questions that you can ask. Obviously, there's a lot more that you need to ask during that discovery phase, but I always find that that one allows me to find their hot button, and allows me to kind of gauge their temperature on how quick they want to move forward. Lastly, we talked about NLP, and NLP is important because it's gonna allow you to build rapport three times faster with three times as much strength. And that rapport building is so important in that whole entire sales process. you got to identify, is somebody an auditory? Is somebody a visual? Is somebody a kinesthetic? Now, one way that uh, me and my kids, we kind of have this fun thing we play, but if we really kind of want to learn about body language and also what is somebody based on where their eye movements are and everything else, is we'll put on Telemundo, one of those Spanish soap operas, we'll put the closed caption on to get the real words, we'll put the voice off, because usually the words come afterwards, and then we just kind of, we'll mimic out loud what these people are saying based on their emotions, based on their body language, based on their eye movement, different things like that. And then we see how close we get to the closed captions and uh, how well we did. But it's a fun thing. It's a little silly. But uh, the sooner I teach them that, the sooner they'll be able to communicate with people as well. But that is one way you'll see people that are very emotional and uh, a little over the top. And usually somebody's killing somebody or sleeping with somebody or something's going on, but it's always a lot of fun. Um, But those are some of the things that I hopefully you can incorporate, take from today's lesson. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email or DM me on Instagram or Facebook. Hope everybody got value out of this and hopefully we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Remember to hit subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. For daily inspiration, follow me on Instagram at jlennidwisdom.